Welcome back to the 65th episode of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we not only like to seek the highlights and the glories of ratings gain, but also dive into the plateaus and even below that, the pits of despair, such as having a position where every time you see it, you hang your queen. All right, moving on from that. Um, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Jay Tell, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. There's merch you can get. You can get it in the uh, show notes below. I want to thank our sponsor, Chessable. <gasps> oh, man. Let's see. Am I going to be honest? I am. Okay. I didn't do Chessable yet today, and I don't believe I did it yesterday. So I am sporting a zero-day streak currently. I've never said that before on the podcast. That doesn't mean Chessable is not awesome. I'm still working through the Checkmate Patterns Manual, missing a shockingly high amount of these. I don't know if that says I'm terrible at chess what is going on, but I'm still working on it. I am seeing them in my games now more, so I know it's working, um, which is great. Also, you can do your openings on Chessable. You can do your endings on Chessable. You can do anything you want on Chessable. Uh, so I suggest it, of course, if you haven't tried it yet. If you want to appear on the show, you can fill out the uh, Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. Today, I bring in an extra special guest, Ben Johnson. He is the greatest chess podcaster in the history of podcasts. He has uh, the Perpetual Chess Podcast, the How to Chess Podcast. He does his Link Fest, and he was on episode two of this very podcast, helping launch it from obscurity into less obscurity. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today, and have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? Kevin, it is an honor and a pleasure as always. And no, no chess for me, only chess drama. I'm on a strictly chess drama diet right now. <laughs> wow. We're very opposite in that way. I am doing my best to not read too much chess drama, but my Twitter feed is like, no, no, Kevin, we know you. We know you like drama. That is all we're going to show you. And I'm like, no, Twitter. That is not why I'm on Twitter. You don't understand. So that's been a little bit frustrating for me. Yeah, there's that famous cartoon where the guy is like sitting in front of his computer and telling his wife someone on the internet is wrong. I can't, yeah. I can't come out right now. There's been a lot of that lately, and I'm I'm guilty as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying. I only have a set amount of chess time, right? So I'm trying not to get sucked into using that time to respond to chess drama. I will I say I, I could say the same. I also haven't played any chess yet today, but I was discussing the new chess.com zombie box with my daughter and she is very excited to play uh zotez zombie botez so we'll, okay we'll, we'll see how that goes nice yeah um, i'll have to show my daughter she's six and we've uh we've just started playing uh mini games again so nice that'll be fun yeah she's not over the hill like me <laughs> um Real quick, I uh, I made a comment in the beginning about hanging my queen. I put this on Twitter. This is shocking to me, Ben. I was going through my opening repertoire, and I was like, I feel like I have the, a hole in this one variation of one of my openings. And I went into opening tree, and I started going through it. And I was like, wait, there's this one move that I don't even know what I would do. And I click on it, and both times my queen was being threatened by a knight. And instead of moving the queen, I just castled twice mm. i've only seen the position twice and both times i've tongued my queen and oh, i'm just looking at this and i'm like how is this possible 
At least you're consistent, Kevin. Oh, my brain is like permanently broken regarding that position. Imagine in a classical game if I did that. My brain is just like, we know what we do here. Yeah. We <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully the third time I see that position, this will not be the problem. All right. I forgot to say this in the in the intro, but today we're gonna primarily be focusing on books. Ben is a big book guy. He reads a lot of books. He has a um, book review segment on his podcast. He has interviewed many people who talk about books. I also am a book learner. So I've been really trying to put together a podcast where it's kind of like the place I can point you to when you say, what are the books I should do sort of in what order at what what uh, rating ranges? Today, we're going to try those and to answer that question for you. But before we do, we need to catch up with Ben. Ben, it's been a year. Uh, you are uh, you were at like 21, 20 or something when you last showed up. I have to assume you're international master by now. How has it gone for you? Oh, man, it has been uh, a whole lot of movement and ending up in the same place, I think, roughly. Um, I might I might be 21, 25 now, uh, something like that. I try not to get too hung up on the um you know, short-term swings of rating, I will say until about six weeks ago, I felt like I was making good progress um, in my OTB game. Um, I have this sort of uh, weird dichotomy where I try, like you, Kevin, I have a family, I try to get away to weekend tournaments. And when I can play slow chess, um, I seem to be outperforming my rating and gaining points, but I can't, like I have, I've mentioned in, in other interviews and on perpetual chess and stuff, I'm trying to play 50 rated games a year. I think that's a good goal for, um, continued improvement or hopes of improvement, but I can't really leave my family 10 times a year. Um, six, I think is doable, something like that. So I've been playing some local action tournaments and, um, game 30, and I'm always slow as again, people who've heard me before will, will know. So I think I'm like a hundred points weaker at action chess. So not to make excuses, but, um, every time I play the faster chess, I lose rating. And when I play slower chess, there's a decent chance I'll, I'll gain rating. I would guess OTB. I'm probably, um, Something like 2200 strength, 2200 USCF, uh, slow classical chess. And probably my performance rating bears that out. And in action chess, I'm probably closer to 2000. So um, if you if you average them out, that's why I'm 2120. But but if I could just <laughs> if I could just either get better at faster chess or play it less often, I think I might see more progress. And the other thing is just this ongoing Hans Niemann Magnus Carlsen story has uh, as I mentioned, like as a voyeur, I've found it interesting, but as a reporter, I've been doing extra work covering it with uh, bonus pods. So my chess, I haven't had, I have a classical tournament at the end of October, but that's been the only tournament on my calendar for some six weeks now. And it's really slowed down my motivation. I've found that I tend to be much more motivated to study when I have a tournament coming up. And unfortunately, it's been too far in the distance. I'm hoping now it's getting close enough uh, where I can get back to work and uh, try to share some good news next time. It's really interesting to hear. Do you do you have action tournaments more regularly than that? Well, they're every week about uh, 50 minutes from where I live. I live mm -hmm. in central New Jersey. It's uh, about close to an hour from Philly and an hour and a half from New York. So there's no um, 
since it's not a city center, it's tough for me to play in, in other circumstances. So they mm -hmm. go every week, but I just basically, I try to wait until I'm like truly desperate and then I can, mm -hmm. I can uh, either drive to North Jersey or even do a day trip up to the Marshall in New York city. Okay. But so that's how I would play those. It's it's really interesting to me that you say you have so you have such a hard time being motivated to study when you don't have a tournament coming up. I think the, one of the differences maybe in our improvement mentalities is for me like improvement is the work and then the tournaments are just like part of the work. Like like that's just how I view it as like um, I'm like, okay, my goal rather than gaining a hundred rating points is to finish chess tactics from scratch and go through it at a slow pace and really enjoy it. And then when I play in the tournament, that's just like another goal of mine is like, like you said, like my, I have a goal of playing so many rated games, but it's not to gain rating points as much as it is just to cement then that book that I've been reading. So I think it's, it's an interesting um, difference in thinking about that. Any thoughts on why you have such a hard time being motivated when the tournaments are in the distance like that? Cause I think that's normal for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it comes down to how you measure your performance, you know, and it does mm -hmm. sound like uh, we have different philosophies. Um, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm 45. I don't know. I don't know if we've known how old you are, Kevin. Are, you're how old are you? <laughs> um, I'm past that, actually. Oh, okay. I might have guessed. I would have guessed a little, uh, slightly younger. I like so, that. I, I'd like that you would have you. guessed 18. That's very generous. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> but anyway, I maybe it's just sort of my my tournament upbringing. I played a ton when I was mm -hmm. um younger. But the other thing is, I I'm a very I'm a very competitive person. Um, as I've gotten older, you know, and become a parent. I'm I'm far from as competitive as I used to be, but and probably that hurts my performance. But um, but to the extent I measure my performance, it's this idea of the the competition is still ingrained in me. And mm -hmm. I think and I think I I play better in tense moments generally. I'm able to sort of summon extra focus that I can't summon when I'm at home studying. So I think all of that is counterproductive when I'm at home but productive when I actually can those somewhat rare moments when I can get out there and, and compete. So yeah, I think it's just that we measure our performances differently. And I think especially listeners who are newer to chess, who, um, who play more online. I mean, I think it's probably better if you're not living and dying with every single game online, it's probably better <laughs> because you do get immediate feedback. Whereas for me, I'm getting mm -hmm. intermittent and noisy feedback because it's such a small sample of games. Yeah, that's really fascinating because I think the me that played 20 years ago was very similar to your approach. Um, for, for most of my life, before I had kids especially, I was like, like it was a problem. Like I was so competitive that it was a problem. Like I would play in card games with a hundred some people. I'd get fifth place and my friends would ask me how I did and I'd say I got last. And they'd be like, what do you mean you got last? Like I saw you in the upper tables. And it was because it was like you either got first or you were last. It was like right. you either won the tournament or you didn't. And they like couldn't even fathom that. And like uh, when I would play chess, I and I wonder if this is part of like my meteoric rise, right? I went from like eleven hundred to seventeen hundred in two years with this crazed mentality of win at all costs, and then now I'm much more, I'm able to be more relaxed about 
having to win, but then the rating gain has not matched what it did last time. So I don't know, Ben, was it just like those were the easier points to get and now I'm closer to like the hard part of the journey or has my lack of competitiveness hurt my journey? I, I don't know. These are issues I'm wrestling with. Yeah, well, I think every adult sort of, they come to a point where it's like a serious plateau, you know, yeah. um, and it, it can be at different points in the journey, but but yeah, it's it's. I think you know ninety ninety percent of the people listening, myself included, are are right there with you. You just reach a point where the the low hanging fruit is picked. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I feel like over these last two years that I've come back, I've gotten infinitely better. And what I what I've started telling myself, Ben, this this might sound like a real cop out, is that when I came back and my rating said I was. I don't know, 1650 or whatever. My actual rating was really more like 1350 or 1450 for like this new modern world. And I just didn't play much over the board to let it sort of drop down to what it was supposed to be. I played one tournament, but I played way up. And so like my losses didn't hurt much. Um, and then I basically spent much of these two years just trying to recapture what a modern day 1600 looks like. And now Ben... I'm moving up finally. I thought I was going to cross 1700, but I only got to 1698 at that last tournament. So, but I'm two and zero in this event, and uh, things are looking looking up. I don't know. I don't know, Ben. Maybe I'm making progress now. I, I, I mean, it's come up on perpetual chess many times. I mean, I, I do think that uh, the rating scale has changed some at the at least at the club level. So, um, I don't know about 1350 when you came back, but <laughs> but I mean, I. I tell myself the same thing, put it like that. I'm yeah. I'm not like, you know, I'm 150 points off my peak. And uh, if you put, if, if 2022 me played uh, 1997 me, man, I'm old. Um, and you controlled for openings. Uh, mm -hmm. 2022 me would hold, would hold his own. You know, <laughs> I'd be fine, but somehow my rating is just way different. So it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Um, I got some good news for you. I looked you up before we started, and uh -huh. you're way better than most of the Ben Johnsons, man. There's like <laughs> there's like thirty of them. You crush them all. Glad to hear it. What's up now, Ben Johnsons? There's like eight hundreds, eleven hundreds. So uh -huh. you're you're doing great. Um, also, I noticed you never hit your floor. That's kind of impressive. You came well. Back. There's a, there's a funny story behind that. I okay. I won an under twenty two hundred section in the New York Open in God knows what year, but I'm going to say, um, 1994 ish. So I won, I was in high school. I won $6,000 fortune of money to me, you know, um, yeah. at the, at the time. Um, and they gave me a floor because of it. They gave me a 2200 floor. They used to have a rule where wow. if you win that section, you win real money, you, yeah. you get the floor of the next section up. <laughs> That's so, not fair. So for a while I was feasting on that floor, you know, I mean, I, my peak ratings like 2270, but then, a, you know, as I got less active, but still played yeah. uh, in my late teens into my twenties, I got down to 2200 and for a while I was scraping along the floor. Um, uh -huh. And then one day it was just gone. <laughs> 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 and then, then the bottom fell out. And now I, yes. I'm not, I think I've even gone below 2100. I'm, I'm not below 2100 currently USCF, but yeah, they're just like, Oh, whatever. He's just a free falling. <laughs> Like we, we, he doesn't need a floor anymore. So. <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. A 2200 floor. It's yeah. gone now. I want it back. 
Yeah, I bet. I want a 2200 floor. That sounds amazing. Although I would lose every game, so that would be a challenge. <laughs> I, might, I might not actually enjoy that. Okay. Well, I think that's a good catch-up where we're at. It sounds like we're both working hard. We're both, uh, you know, we're not kids. We're not making the 800-point uh, rating gains over uh, a few months, but but we're we're trying. Yeah, I just want to say before we move on to the books, the the dream is not dead. You know, we all have mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. I'm still getting lessons. I sometimes I do feel like I kind of need to ap apologize to my coach. By the way, if you're looking for a coach, Grandmaster mm -hmm. Axel Bachman, especially if you're like, you know, over 17, 1800, he's fantastic. Highly recommend him. Um, but but yeah, the dream is not dead. It's just uh, it, it's awesome. just gotten a little sidetracked, and now I'm like mm -hmm. gathering energy for the next push. Let's say, nice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I feel like I've turned a corner. I, I've gotten to a point where I feel like anyone who is under 1900 USCF, you better look out. Like nice. I, I'm I can hang with you. If you're if you're well over that, then usually what happens is I can hang for a bit and then you slowly outplay me. But just like everyone I've played in the eighteen hundreds in the last few months, I've either beaten them or had a big advantage at some point that you know, I made some ridiculous move because I'm still me. Um, but things are coming along, Ben. And I'm feeling confident, which is so weird. I haven't felt confident in chess in a long time. Um, so I don't know. I think that means I'm a little bit underrated. And as soon as I reach my rating, then my confidence will get destroyed once more. So we'll see. Well, there's something to be said for like that feeling of daily practice, you know, and I, I was starting mm -hmm. to reach that feeling before I got sidetracked a couple months back um, where you you it's like when you're you, for anyone who's studied a foreign language, when you're living in the country, you know, and you start yeah. to get that you start to get that feeling of like, oh, I'm not thinking in English as much, you know, um, if you're competing regularly and chess is a part of your daily study routine. It's easy to get in that mindset. That's why like Grandmaster Jakob Algard has, has said like, you know, make sure you do at least 15 minutes of chess a day, even if, you know, life has got you sidetracked. And that's sort of where I've been. I've been in the holding pattern of like 15 minutes a day, do a few chessable things, get my weekly lesson. But, but there was a period where I was doing an hour a day, which I know a lot of people listening, you do even more than that. But when I was doing that and competing, I felt like I was starting to sort of get my sea legs and now it's gone again, but it's a nice feeling. Enjoy it, Kevin. Yeah, it really is. And I think it is that combination. It's I'm doing between an hour and two hours a day. I now have a tournament every single Wednesday in addition yeah, that's huge. to the weekend ones. Yeah, it just it feels like the momentum is going. And then I know this is going to sound weird, but just feeling good about my openings. I just think that's such a whether or not that helps in my actual games, it helps with confidence, right? It helps going in like, I know generally where this is going. I know generally the middle game plans and I can feel not from move one that I'm lost. I might get lost, you know, somewhere in the middle of the game, but it just gives you that at least a false sense of confidence, which can be helpful. Yeah. The placebo effect is real, man. Yeah, I really think so. I think it's one of the under um, appreciated aspects of not, not memorizing a thousand lines, but like being comfortable with an opening repertoire. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the meat of the, of this episode. I want to talk books with you, Ben. Um, I know I have sort of like a set group of books I have used over the years to help me get through each of the rating bands, but that is very much a one person personal approach. 
and you have been a trainer. You've talked to um, was I think you have a million and five hundred episodes now, something like that, somewhere and, and in the one, yeah, million five hundred and one. Okay, okay. So you've talked to a lot of people with books. I know you also have a book list um, that we can put in the show notes as well, where you you've already gone through some of this process. But I thought we could talk through it. Um, I think we should start with the beginning. You've got someone who's pretty new to chess. I'm going to say they learned the moves. I think it's kind of hard to learn how the pieces move from a chess book, but they know how the pieces move. Where do you think they should go for sort of like their first chess book? What's what's your impression? Um, yeah, well, one caveat I want to say before we, we launch into this um, is books. I love chess books. I love books generally. Um, and the, I think that they should be a part of a chess study regimen, but only a part of it. There are certain, mm. like, it, it always comes back to the knowledge versus skill debate. And uh, books can really help your chess knowledge. But if you're not practicing by playing, as uh, as my friend FM, who's been on your show, FM Nate Solon would say, like, high stakes games, games that feel important to you. Often that's going to be tournament games, but it can just be um, what the Dojo Liga or the 45-45 League on Lee Chess or whatever it may be. Um, you need to be doing that. You need to be doing tactics and books are just one piece of the puzzle. But to get back to your question, Kevin, for beginners in particular, I think books may have um, added import because it's just this world is opening up to you and there's just so much information that can be... Um, uh, given to you in a sort of um, um, fast and efficient way. So three recommendations. Um, number one, got to give a shout out to FM Peter Giannatos. Um, everyone's, uh, everyone's first chess workbook available on Chessable um, just kind of mm -hmm. takes you from, you know, from zero to 900. And I do think that words are helpful but once you know how the pieces move, you've got to you've got to drill these concepts. And I think Peter did a fantastic job presenting it. If you do want words, um, winning chess strategy for kids. I know Neil Bruce is also a fan by uh, by Jeff Coakley. Um, some people might be put off by the fact that it is for kids, um, mm -hmm. but he's he does a great job explaining basic concepts. And honestly, that book, you know, it's accessible obviously because it's written for kids. But some of the concepts will take you well up to like 13, 1400. So and, you know, it's obviously, again, there's cartoons in it. So it's presented presented in a very sort of informal way. But, you know, when you pick up and read the little lesson on like Rooks on the seventh rank or something like that, like it's a nice illustration of, oh, that's why, you know, Rooks are important on the seventh rank. Um, and uh Susan Polgar's Learn Chess the Right Way series is another good one. I like the things that that are um, that give you something you can grab onto, you know, where there's enough material where like you can do this thing and not have to worry about it for a while. Um, and because that's five volumes and I've mentioned before, I particularly like the defensive one because that can be under um, underrepresented in the chess literature, the like you know, don't hang your piece, stop this checkmate, et cetera. So those for below the below 1000 level um, are two workbook type formats and one prose type format um, that I think are helpful. Uh, also, I guess I should shout out, uh, uh, learn to play chess like a boss, which if you're just learning from scratch, I think is good. And it also gives a sort of bigger uh, primer for sort of the chess world in addition to 
um, yeah. how to play. And that's by Grandmaster Patrick Wolf. Got some history in it as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to comment on some of those books as well, but I'm going to start with what I did. And then we'll okay. go there. And I'd like to hear what you did. For my first book, it was Yasser Sirawan's Play Winning Chess. Um, that was my first book. I felt like I was an adult, though. I was maybe in college, and that book really resonated with me. And I think after that, I probably read The um, Winning Chess Strategies by Sarawan. Um, What was your first chess book? Uh, Bobby Fisher Teaches Chess. And cool. then I got to interview the co-author, um, oh, Stuart cool. Margulies, old school stories of uh, how that book was written and his interactions with Fisher. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good book. I mean, uh, it wouldn't, it's not my highest recommendation, but I mean, it sold over a million copies for a mm -hmm. reason. It, it's, it's a good, it's a good book and was ahead of its time. Yeah, I agree. And as far as your recommendations, um, I have a seven-year-old now who started when she was six and her first chess book was Winning Chess Strategy. And I think that is a fantastic book. But I'll also say, I think it's a bit mislabeled that, sorry, Winning Chess Strategy for Kids, because there's a lot of big words in that book. My daughter is trying to read it. She's like, what does penetrate the seventh rank mean? And I'm like, oh, it means like they're trying to get in there. So I, I think your your statement that it's that it's not really necessarily a kid's book is really true. Like, I think it can be used for kids, but it doesn't read like a like a basic kid's book or something. That's good to know. Yeah. So maybe it's for like nine year olds on up, but then it's great for teachers as well, because like yeah. every little lesson is a lesson. Like if you're just like not sure what to teach, like just open up, open it to a random page and and uh, there there's a lesson there. Yeah. And then um, everyone's first chess workbook. My daughter's rating is currently 179 USCF and she has easily completed the first 250 puzzles. So I, I guess my point there is that I think at least the beginning of this book is good for like an absolute beginner. Like it really starts at the beginning. I'm curious to see if she's going to hit a wall where it becomes a little harder because right now I'm like, boy, these puzzles are really easy. <laughs> like, yeah. like I wonder, um, does it get more challenging as it goes on or is that workbook really for like 500 and under? And I don't know the answer to that yet. I haven't, I haven't worked my way through it. I've done all the puzzles with her. And um, she, there's been a couple, though, that she's been stumped by and I've had to kind of help her out with. But it's it's definitely a great sort of first puzzle book. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, what do you think about the first book of Morphe? Does that go in this category or do you think that's sort of like the next category as you sort of completed your first basic strategy book? You have a couple puzzles, then you start looking at some of these type of books. Yeah, I would put it maybe in the next category, although I don't think it's more challenging than winning chess strategy for kids. It's just that it's it's um, presented differently. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of assumed that that, you know, the language and stuff. Um, so it but I, I think it's right in that band. It, it might be fourth. I did a, a podcast about that book, and uh, I will mm -hmm. say. The guy, the writer has a few quirks. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I, I'd, um, mm. yeah, it's not, um, it's not a perfect book, but the chess presentation is pretty unique and, and pretty compelling. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the material is in this rating band, but I do feel like 
you you need to have read something before you read first book of morphe i think there are some assumptions in there so maybe if it's like you've read half of winning chess strategy and now you want to see some games i think first book of morphe is really good for presenting really clear games and then thematically like i've really enjoyed going through it with my daughter because it'll be like okay we're in the weak king section. What do you think is going to happen? And she's like, oh, there's going to be a great checkmate. And I'm like, okay. So now that's kind of like as we're playing a guess the move kind of thing, we're looking for these checkmates. Or if it's in the pin category, we're looking for pins. But like you said, there, I feel like there's some quirks that really undermine being able to use this in this band, which is like the not using the same notation that everyone else in the world uses. Right. Like, it's very confusing for me. And when my daughter reads it, she's like, how can the king, how can the bishop go to D6? There's a piece there. It would have to capture it. And I'm like, he just doesn't use the X. And she's like, what? Right. I, I don't even understand. And so like, I don't even think she could go through the book on her own, which is, uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting decision that that author made. Yeah, but but Morphe, I mean, the, the reason that book stands out is just Morphe's games are just brilliant and they're so clear. And he yeah. was so far ahead of his opponents that that I do think uh, flaws notwithstanding, it's it's the best intro to Morphe. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like I said, I really love how it's organized in the different thematic sections. And my daughter and I have a saying whenever we we do a Paul Morphe game, we'll be like, why did Paul Morphe? Uh, oh no, what happens when Paul Morphy's uh, opponents make a mistake and my daughter yells, he crushes them. <laughs> nice, that's cute. <laughs> so yeah, we have a good time with that. Okay, so these are sort of our recommendations for these new players. You want some sort of absolute starter book. Maybe that's Play Chess Like a Boss. Maybe that's, I call it, The Green Book, Winning Chess Strategy for Kids. A first puzzle book, first chess workbook sounds good. And then, and then, I don't know, play some games, right? Yeah, yeah, you you better be playing every day and, you know, trying to learn one thing from every game, um, whether it's with a coach or or on your own. Yeah, Ben, can I get to this suggestion for my daughter? When she plays her rapid games, should we look at them afterwards? I mean, she's how old? She is seven. I mean, the most important thing at that age is for her to be having fun. So... <laughs> Okay, if she fair. bristles at that idea, then no. Yeah. If she okay. if she is the rare kid who's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's look at my screw ups. Um, <laughs> then then by all means, go for it. Okay, she is very happy to to recount her wins with me, but not the the problematic parts of her wins. She really just wants to skip to the mating attack. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, what about this place where you hung this piece? And she's like, Dad, I mated them. And I'm like, No, I understand that, but like, <laughs> yeah. Why did you put your knight there? Dad, I checkmated them. Let's just look at that. Okay, let's look at that. All right, okay, good strategy, good parenting strategy. Thanks, Ben, I appreciate it. Maybe I've been a little too much with her on that piece of it. Um, all right, so let's move to the next rating band. Where where do you think we are? I kind of feel like we're at like 650 to 1200. You said like 1000, I don't know. Well, help, me, help me out here. What's the next rating band? Yeah, I, I lean more it's, towards a thousand i mean it's been a while since i've looked at some of these books but if you'd really read if you'd gotten towards the back end of peter's book and you'd read the first book of morphe you're definitely seeing some reasonably advanced concepts now 
where the rubber meets the road is below a thousand. Your games are still coming down to blunders. You know, that's why I can't emphasize the importance of playing enough because, you know, there's a vast gulf between reading that you shouldn't hang your pieces and not hanging your pieces. And the only way to bridge that gulf is to, you know, just do it a thousand times and then decide you're, you're not going to do it the thousand first, or at least you're not going to, you know, your pace is going to slow down on the thousand first. So uh, anyway, I do think we're up towards a thousand, at least conceptually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting question. So I guess the next question then is, is it even worth, reading more books and packing in more chess knowledge if your chess skill is really lagging. Like, let's say my daughter finishes winning chess strategy for kids. She is still hanging pieces three times a game. Her rating has climbed to 195. Um, Is she ready for the next book? Or is it just like, just do more puzzles, just play more games? You've got the basics. Let's now turn that into skill before we try to put more knowledge in there. I think definitely the latter. If your goal is to like maximize your skill, then then you've just got to uh, practice execution. You've got to play and yeah. and uh, make decisions and do puzzles. But look, I mean, if you're like a working adult and you want to trace the evolution of chess knowledge, you know, you want to be exposed to some new ideas you're not trying to like max you're not trying to like change your secret unknown rating ceiling you know from say you're starting from scratch as like a 35 year old and if you if you maximized every moment you could get to 2000 and if you didn't you'd get to 1700 but you'd still have the same job and the same husband or wife and kids and the same problems yeah. in life so it's like, what's your goal? So I think it's fine to read more books. But yeah, if you are trying to maximize your chess skills, then uh, especially at the lower end, uh, chess is a performance activity. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So we're we're at, I don't know, a thousand, something like that. You've gotten your first strategy book under your belt. Ben, what do you think? What's our next strategy book or what's our next book? I got to give a shout out to my main man, the OG. Irving Chernev, (laughs) most the most evergreen of them all. Logical chess, move by move, the most instructive chess games of all time. Um, Again, did a pod about logical chess. Um, I also love his Capablanca book, which I consider more advanced. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing how old the books are because they don't. When you read them, they don't seem that old. And the guy just exudes enthusiasm for chess and does a good job explaining concepts. So I think you can start those around a thousand. But honestly, you know, as an 1800, you you can still learn from them. So, but but that's around where I would put those in. Um, I also think that the Yasser books are good. Um, if you want a tactics workbook, shout out to uh, Jesse Cry and the Dojo. It's around there where you can pick up the Polgar book and basically the Polgar huge chess 53, 34 puzzles, and mm-hmm. you know work on that basically for the rest of your life. So um, there's there's uh, plenty to do once you uh, once you reach that level. OK, so it sounds like you're saying when you hit this 1000, it feels to me like you're saying it's time to really continue turning that strategy into skill. Looking at logical chess by move by move allows you to take those strategical concepts you were thinking about 
and then go through these sample games where he really goes into depth, like two pages on why E4 is good. And you're like, wow, okay, this is game three, Chernev. Yeah, settle down, Irving. Still going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and the funny thing for me is I was reading the Chess Dojo thing of the Polgar book and I was like, ah, I kind of wish I had that. And then I looked up at my shelf and I was like, oh, wait, it's that book. Yeah. Like, like 20 years ago, Barnes and Noble had it in their discount section for like four bucks. And I was like, I don't know if I'll ever read this, but look how big it is. It has a billion puzzles for four dollars. It's worth it. So I, I have it. OK, Um. see, I was thinking here that maybe at this band, I also have logical chess move by move, but maybe we take the next step and we read a strategy book that sort of fills in the gaps. And so for me, when I hit like, I guess for me, it was like 1200, maybe 1100. I picked up Pachman's Modern Chess Strategy. And I think there's a lot of books that can fill this role of just like, now you're looking like, what's a backward pawn? What is what are what's a minority attack? And I'm going to admit this, Ben. I read that book. I I still didn't know what a minority attack was, but <laughs> I knew what a backward pawn was. Now I knew how doubled pawns operated. The problem is I've never really suggested this book because it's not in the modern notation, and it feels weird to suggest a book that someone's really might struggle with because it's because it's that old notation. Yeah. Well, some of that stuff, of course, is in the very polarizing my system. Again, did a podcast mm -hmm. about it. I, I don't recommend it in this day and age, but but yeah, some sort of modern treatment. And honestly, Coakley does cover this stuff. That's why I feel like mm -hmm. it's easy to get ahead of yourself when you're like looking at um, books because uh, the presentation accelerates pretty quickly. You know, um, yeah. there, there's a big difference between um knowing what the minority tack is and, and like, you know, that, that can happen at the 1200 level, but to be able to like correctly carry off, like you win a game because you trade your B pawn for the C pawn and they end up with a backward pawn <laughs> on an open file and you yeah. like win the game 30 moves later because you piled on and won that pawn. Like that's like way, way down the road, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because I, I recently, I am playing some openings where you have to know how to handle the Carlsbad structure and how the minority attack works in that structure. Right. And I, I technically learned about all that from Pachman's modern chess strategy, but I didn't know any of that. It wasn't until I read some more books and really had experience in those structures where I was forced to do it and fail horribly and then kind of be like, wow, I actually need to learn how to do this because I don't, I don't know what is going on at all. Yeah. Matthew Sadler has an old book called The Queen's Gambit Decline, where he has a chapter mm -hmm. about it. And I think he also did a chapter about it in um, the book about, about adult in chess, chess improvement. Um, I'm drawing a blank on uh, on the title. Um, I'll, I'll come back to it in a second. But anyway, those are good resources mm -hmm. if you are looking for something on uh, on the Carlsbad. Interesting. Okay. And this is really advanced, right? When we're starting to say things like, even knowing what the Carlsbad structure is, that feels like, I don't know, what, 1600 plus or something where you really have to even worry about that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. Um, okay. So what to you is the next rating band? Is it like 1200? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Okay. And so what do you, what do you think we're moving to then? Are, are we back to another strategy book or are we still just saying, 
these intro strategy books gave you all you needed. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I don't think at the 1200 level, you don't need more books like read the same one again, <laughs> you know, read it yeah. three times. Um, but and and keep playing and keep doing tactics. But but nonetheless, again, I I uh, I love chess books. I buy more than I need. Um, so far be it from me to um, discourage people from from doing that. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Dan Heisman, uh, the best of Novik, novice nook um, is basically his compiled wisdom. Um, and, and Dan is obviously one of the, the best chess teachers out there. I think he's uh, uniquely skilled at uh, identifying with adult learners. Um, so recommend his YouTube channel and uh, the best of novice nook is uh is to me, uh, I think I've I've not read all his books cover to cover, but it's it's uh the best one I've seen I've looked through. Mm, okay, I haven't looked through that book. It's I have fun. It's seen. fun too because it's a, a lot of people, a lot of chess fans like or chess enthusiasts. They they like books with words in them. You know, yeah. <laughs> like right. like yeah. there's so many chess diagrams, and sometimes you want to feel like you're working on your chess, but you, you don't want to be that actively engaged. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a lot of words. <laughs> okay. So it's a book where you can kind of like read it and not yeah. necessarily have to have a board next to you. Yeah. And it's like 10 bucks oh. on Kindle. Um, oh, so yeah. It, and well, like lots of value in it. Okay. So that's a great. Oh, and deal. by the way, the Sadler and Regan book, it was driving me crazy. It's called Chess for Life. Um, okay. Chess for Life. Um, I haven't read that either. So that's yeah, another I, one. Lots of words. <laughs> a lot of my guests have, have, suggested dan heisman books and just dan heisman in general right like a bunch yeah. of people have taken lessons with him nothing but good things to say there um okay so again you're not saying it's time to read another strategy book it sounds like you're saying make this into skill um read some books that are helping you but you don't need to to, to layer on the next stuff so for me i was thinking like the next layer is something like Michael Steen's Simple Chess, but maybe that doesn't come onto the scene until like 1500 or something. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Um, no. Simple Chess is what is what my system is represented to be. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is an amazing primer at positional chess. Um, very clear examples from classic games. Um, and it's just a pleasure. It's short, so you can like finish it and feel like you accomplished something. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so it, it's an absolutely fantastic book and I'd say it's reasonably accessible, but again, if you're actually going to be implementing the strategies that he lays out, you're going to be probably North of 1500 rated. And, and we should say the rating scales, at least I'm using, uh, to me, USCF and chess.com are pretty comparable and mm -hmm. that's what I'm referring to. So if you're thinking in Lee chess language, you got to bump it up a couple hundred points. Yeah. Do the translation there. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's funny because for me, when I came back, I had already read Pachman's book several years ago. Um, and I was trying to find like what was uh what was the book that would build on that now that I've come back. And I and I I just sort of like I heard you talking about Michael Steen's simple chess, and I was like, okay, I bought it and I just flipped through it and I was like, this is too simplistic. Like I know all these concepts. This is this is below where I'm at. But I, because it was so short and your review was so glowing, I was like, I'll, I'll start it. And what I realized was it helped me take that knowledge I had and transfer it to skill by having these games, 
and having me fumble with these concepts and be like, okay, I guess I did know what a backward pawn was, but this book is really helping me solidify, like, how do I actually use this concept and not just be able to be like, boom, that's a backward pawn, nailed it, moving on. Very, uh, very well said. Yeah, the beauty is really in the games and the position selection. So that's why I was saying, like, you could read it once and then read it again. It's a... Uh... But but yeah, I, I actually had a similar shout out Fred Wilson, um, another uh, um, longtime uh, uh, chess bibliophile and chess bookseller in New York City. And he's the one who uh, turned me on to it before Neil Bruce suggested we do a podcast about it. And I had a similar thing. He sold it to me and and I took a quick look at some point and was underwhelmed. But then when I really read it, I was like, wow, this is this is like the book if you're like 1400 and trying to aspiring to long-term to 17, 1800, something like that. Yeah. And I've read sections multiple times. Like there's a whole section on the minority attack and I read it and I was like, I got it. I know this really well. And then I started playing Carl's bad structures and having no idea what was happening. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to read that chapter again and really try to make it skill this time. And, and still, I probably, you would probably see me try to execute a minority attack and start laughing and be like, Kevin, I thought you just said you could do this. What are you doing? So I like to think I can, Ben. I like to think I can. Okay. Um, so what rating range do you think we need to go to next? Are we at like 1,300, 1,400? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Um, I certainly could. I have more recommendations uh, in that range. All right. Um, let's hear them. What do you got for us? Um, the power of pawns. Um, again, mm. something uh, yeah. we we did a podcast on. Neil did his uh, pawn book championship, and he felt like this was the best primer for uh, lower rated players who are trying to sort of wrap their heads around positional chess. All right, wait. Um, let me ask you a question about this, because I was under the impression, and this is how I read it in my journey, as I read uh, Simple Chess first. And the way I viewed it was like simple chess was broader chess strategy. And then power of pawns was taking some of these concepts and zooming into them by focusing on pawns. But do you think power of pawns comes first because it's more of like a little bit more accessible and it's providing more of a structure for games? Like what is your thought yeah. on like the order? Yeah, I think it probably does come first Okay, uh, now that you mention it, but it's in the same, same ballpark. Okay. And like you said, it's a it's a great primer for pawns. And this is another one of those where, you know, Neil suggested it. You guys did the podcast. I bought it. And then I was like, this is too easy. Like, why do these guys keep selling me these easy books? Look how good I am. And then, you know, I was struggling with some pawn structures. And I was like, all right, I should read this. And it was great. Right. Again, it was one of these books that has that illusion of being too easy but really allows you to take concepts and put them into skills. And I, I think that's what I keep coming back to is those are the best books. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So what else do you have in this range? Um, Let's see. Well, on the workbook side, uh, that's where you could get into something like tactics time, um, uh, practical chess exercises, uh, the checkmate patterns manual. We got to give a shout out to chessable. Um, yep. and, and, uh, yeah, you definitely don't want to be neglecting your tactics while you're doing all this stuff. Uh, Silman's end game guide, um, uh. as I, as I've dug more into, um, into the literature for, for lower rated players, uh, books, I wouldn't necessarily be investigating if I weren't, 
doing perpetual chess, I, I have to admit, I've become less of a fan of how to reassess your chess and the amateur's mind. But I do think his endgame book, where it's broken down into rating bands, and yeah. unlike some other endgame books, it it really it kind of sticks to the bare essentials. Um, mm -hmm. Like I think you had a Patreon question from, uh, or not Patreon, Twitter from uh, Tim Walters about uh, something about overrated books. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, uh, okay. you have that question or I, I mean, yeah, it says any popular books you think are overrated and an alternative you prefer to recommend. Yeah. So I thought about that and that was, I have to admit going to fire a shot here at a uh, hundred end games. You must know uh, it's, it's just too many end games. Um, you know, everyone, it's got such a beautiful title and you feel like, Oh, I'm yeah. going to get this. And then, you know, I'm solid, but first of all, it's, uh, deceptively advanced it's it's oh, yeah. quite advanced and it's it's too many end games and in my opinion uh for whatever it's worth it's too hard to separate uh theory from practice so you you know you you have these positions but then you have to be able to recognize it like the one time out of a thousand it comes up so mm -hmm. um Silman really just gives you the bare essentials um i wish that it were on chessable but it's <clears> not but um but uh, I think that it is a better version and even Endgame and Practices are a better version. So anyway, Endgame and Practice books, like uh, as we discussed, uh, Endgame Strategy, which we're getting a little too advanced, but yeah. that, but uh, Capablanca's endings, as as I mentioned when we re recorded mm -hmm. our Endgame pod. Anyway, I'm getting far afield, but those are a few uh, suggestions. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with Silman's Endgame course. I think it is such a... a perfect way to build a book to be like okay here it is until you're 800 this is all you need to know and it's like this little tiny section you can be like yes i know opposition in a king pawn end game i know how to win it now boom and then the next band and then the next band i really like how he does that um i think it's organized i i, I mean i think 100 end games you must know the organization's fine and in, in that it does it by theme but it would be impossible to give a 1000 that book and be like, here you go. Good luck. Yeah. Like get something useful out of this book. There's that initial like starter chapter and that would be fine. But everything after that is just, it's all piled together, which is very challenging. Um, Power of Pawns. I totally agree with what was the other book you gave in this list? Oh, checkmate patterns manual. And yeah, that, that book is really, really quite amazing for, just laying those patterns out for you. And I, I've been seeing them more and more and more in even not necessarily like, ah, there's the mate, but like, this is what I could play towards if my opponent does this um, and just yeah. giving me more candidate moves, more ideas, things like that. Yeah. And, and that reminds me when I interviewed uh, Karen Boyd, shout out to Karen, uh, Ben Feingold's wife, she's around 13, 1400 USCF. And mm. she hadn't done a ton of chess books and she was doing how to beat your dad at chess, which oh, is okay. another one that's kind no. of, um, kind of presented in a style where you would just look at it and be like, Hey, like, you know, my dad passed 10 years ago, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat him in, in chess. Um, and, and B it, it looks kind of kid ish, but mm -hmm. it's basically as I, as Karen and I discussed, it's kind of like a good warm up for the checkmate patterns manual and the checkmate patterns manual um there's a free version that i think is a nice everyone should check it out on chessable but 
it escalates somewhat quickly. So, you know, you yeah. get introduced to these patterns, but then suddenly you're doing reasonably advanced ones. And oh, yeah. How to be your, your dad at chess is a good um, um, intro to that. So if you're rated, say, 1200 and you want to get into checkmate patterns, you can do uh, the Murray Chandler book, How to Beat Your Dad at Chess first and then the checkmate patterns manual. Yeah, that's a good idea. Also, for the checkmate patterns manual, I think this is just generally with chessable. You don't have to to like review the ones that are hard, right? So you could right. just figure out like here are the the three starter ones in each section. Those are gonna be the ones I solve, and I'm just gonna keep hitting review on those until I just have those nailed, and then like add the fourth one in each chapter. But that's like an advanced how to use chessable video that well maybe we'll do that at some point, Ben. How to use chessable better? So sounds okay. good. Um, I do have a question. I have, I didn't hear anything about like an annotated games collection in here. Do you think people are ready yet for annotated games or are we still getting the basics down to the point where it's like still keep working on logical chess move by move? Um, we're not quite ready for like, I don't know, my 60 games or something. Definitely not my 60 games. I mean, logical chess move by move and first book of Morphe. I mean, those are annotated games. They're just not. Yeah not annotated by the players. Um, Dan Heisman does have a book um, of amateur games. Uh, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact title. It has the word amateur in it. Um, so something like that could be good because I do think you're still at a level where um, it's, you can't study Kasparov versus Karpov, you know, like it, yeah. it's just too far above one's head. Um, well, you can, again, you <laughs> you can for the history knowledge and for, for yeah. the chess culture. But um, but in terms of like understanding what's going on under the surface, um, it, it's not it's not the best choice. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good place to put this caveat generally that you can kind of read any book whenever you want. And you might even be able to trick yourself into thinking like, I'm I'm ready for this. But if everyone tells you that that's not for your rating band, you're probably not going to get that much out of it. So I read Under the Surface when I was like 1600 and I loved that book. And I, I don't think I got much out of it, actually. Like I thought I did in the moment. And then afterwards, I was like, geez, I don't even remember that what that book was trying to tell me. Yeah, it's kind of like I took some philosophy in college. I was not a, a philosophy professor. And at the time, you know, you're like, oh, Foucault, man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that guy was on one. I, I love that guy. And now it's like, yeah. I don't remember the first thing about it. And yeah, <laughs> with a lot of the sort of the Jonathan Rousens and the Jan Marcoches of the world, um, mm -hmm. that that's sort of where you end up. They're fun to read and uh, they're brilliant yeah. people. Um, yep. But but they're not necessarily going to help your game as much as some some others. Yeah, what I've decided is when I'm better, I will reread under the surface and try to actually get something out of it other than Jan Marcos is a brilliant writer. Yeah, which he is. <clears throat> okay, um, I, I have a question here. I don't know the answer to this. Do you think Agard's new massive endgame tome will end up being a replacement for Silliman's Endgame course? Or do you- Oh, just... no. It's way too advanced. Okay. 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 I haven't even looked at it yet. Okay. So it's more advanced. It's okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Agard. He is an amazing teacher. Um, mm -hmm. And and he's a great writer. And he brings in, um, you know, he brings in information from other fields of life. So it's similar to, to Marcos in that you don't have to understand what he's talking about to enjoy reading it. 
but but I mean, it's like a master level book at the end of the day. I mean, he's got like 70 pages on like different endgame fortresses where when you have like a rook, knight and pawn against a queen and a pawn, the exact places you put like your rook and knight um, so that, you know, the, the king and queen can never get in sort of thing. Like, yeah. it's just so, so detailed and so advanced. And, you know, to me, it's just it's kind of cool. But mm -hmm. if I if I'm able to execute, uh, you know, at my at 2100 level at my level, if I'm able to execute like one or two fortresses in like OTP games in my life, like that would that would be a win. Like <laughs> that's kind of the upper band okay. of what I can expect. OK, gotcha. Interesting. I was thinking I was just looking through like the table of contents and it looked like it covered kind of like a wide range of endgame stuff. I wasn't sure if some of it was at the beginner level and then some of it was ultra advanced or if it was like the starting point was more like 17, 1800. Or yeah, something it's like more that. the latter. Okay. All right. That's that's good to keep in mind. Okay. So where are we at then in your ratings band right now? Uh, I'd say maybe 1600 to 2000, something like that. And, and for me, this is when it really gets fun. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know, like this is when, because you're reaching a level where strategy starts to, to matter more. I mean, you know, it, it's good to feel like you, similar to what we were talking about with the placebo effect uh, earlier below that level, you know, I'll do respect to, to anyone listening at that level, but it's like your game might be like strategy, 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 but then blunder and the blunder is what decides things, you know, yeah. whereas like once you hit 1600 to 2000, that's where like, you know, the execution of a strategy might decide the game more often. And there's just tons of tons of good literature uh as you as you approach that level yeah for sure so is this where you would put something like michael steen uh yeah i mean this would be sort of yeah maybe right before it maybe but mm -hmm. I, I it would definitely like that would come before the next books i would suggest you know okay. um i would say so we'll say michael steen is like around 1500 kind of like the capper of our basic strategy portion of our suggestions and now we're getting to some a little bit more nuanced things yeah sounds about right okay so give us one strategy book at the 1600 plus and then then i'll see if i have one we'll kind of go back and forth and see where we end up okay i'm gonna go with the giants of strategy holding it for you here kevin by uh by neil mcdonald um he he just goes through uh huh. different Champions, lessons from Kramnik, Karprov, Petrosian, Capablanca, and Nimzovich. So some of the best positional players of all times. And he, he identifies uh, certain themes, um, planning on a grand scale, how to use the pawn ram, restraint, blockade, and just uh, shows different examples. And he's really good at uh, selecting classic examples. So um, yeah, that that's an, a nice book and you get some good chess culture in it as well because you're learning about different players as you go. Hmm. That sounds really amazing. Um, this is where I read Shanklin's Small Steps to Giant Improvement, but I think that's not the spot to read it. I think the yeah. spot might be more like 1800. Like you get some more advanced strategy and then that's, that's like even more advanced. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I have it, but I from my end, I haven't given it a thorough looking. I glanced at it when I was getting ready to do that podcast with Neil. Um, mm -hmm. But my impression was it's a book I could learn a lot from. You know, obviously Shanklin's a freaking monster, so it makes sense. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I think it's too soon for that. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good book in that he does such a good job of like, here's the bullet point. This is what we're doing here. And so it allows you to feel like, I got it. I learned it. I saw the bullet point. I saw it in action. I read the bullet point at the end. I got it. But then later you're like, wait, what I got was pawns are super important. I shouldn't screw them up. <laughs> but right. I don't know if I was supposed to push here to restrain his piece or move it to allow my piece to lift through that square. Like I, I came away with all these like floating concepts but really no clue how to actually implement them in my games. Yeah. Okay. So what's another book you have in this rating band? Mine, mine didn't fit. I, th I had a feeling it wouldn't. Uh, well, the Judith Polgar books somewhere around here. Um, mm. And it, it's kind of hard to say because she's got three books based on uh, what level, like based on her climb up the ranks. So the first one is called how I beat Fisher's record. Um, or I think that's the first one. Um, and basically, yeah, and then there's there's a from GM to top 10, and I'm drawing a blank on the third one. I just want to make sure I get the uh, the order right, because um, obviously from GM, that's, oh, a game of queens. Um, mm -hmm. So she, so how I beat Fisher's record, it's funny, even the first book, like her initial steps, you have to start at like 1600 because she was such a monster. But <laughs> mainly I wanted to give them a shout out because... Um, because she has, as anyone who's seen her announce, she has this infectious joy for chess. And she starts out as like a tactical wizard. So she's got some some really cool tactics that you can appreciate. So this is not a positional guide, but mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's another one that it's a fun read. It's not it's not all full games. It's a lot of fragments and she's got some good stories. So it will help mm -hmm. your chess, but it also will just help you appreciate uh, the genius that is Judith. Um, another one I did a podcast about, uh, the mammoth book of the world's greatest games. Uh, um, yeah. Again, these are where obviously if it's the greatest games of all time, you're going to be seeing some super geniuses putting their skills on display. So um, you do, you do need to have um decent level chess understanding but there's some really cool combinations and stuff um in it so um those are a couple um i could go on <laughs> if you want it's up to you okay so those are good ones and do you feel like the mammoth book of chess has more thorough annotations than something like fisher's 60 memorable games yes i mean fisher's 60 memorable games uh the annotations are somewhat sparse. Um, uh, Evans, Larry Evans wrote really cool intros to each game that kind of set mm -hmm. the scene um, and describe what's eloquent or what's, sorry, not eloquent, but what's um, notable about the game. Um, but Fisher really, really cuts to the chase in them, but his notes are somewhat minimalist. Um, mm -hmm. And and he's he's such a super genius that, um, I do think you can appreciate and learn from it, but uh, but um, I would say Mammoth is um, is more more accessible. Yeah, I agree. In some ways, when I read Fisher's sixty memorable games, it kind of feels like a computer book. Like it just has a lot of lines with very little words that are just like you should be able to see from this line how ridiculous that move was. Um, but then many of them are incorrect. <laughs> so yeah. because it's not computer analysis and so that's my favorite thing about it is when he gives himself an exclam and the computer's like what that was just a regular move man like <laughs> there was nothing special about that 
and he doesn't explain it. He'll just be like, boom, exclam, moving on. And you're like, Fisher, yeah. you got to give me something here, man. <laughs> so um, I was talking to Kostya about this book and how I had given up on it at one point around this ratings band, like around 1600. And I said, I just feel like there's too many times where I read it and I don't know why that's a good move. And he doesn't explain it. And he did have an interesting statement that was like, that's good. Yeah. I was like, what? How's that good? And he said, because now you know where your growth edge is, right? Like, you know, you didn't understand this. Go find someone better than you. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's someone in the dojo training program and ask them, why do they think that this is a good move? So I did think that was an interesting point that if you're kind of struggling to find areas to grow, that could be a way to do it is looking at annotated games where maybe the annotations aren't as uh, robust as you would like. I don't know. Just a, just maybe a side point there. No. Yeah. But I, I it's a good point by Kostya because the, the, you've got to find this balance between like, I want to learn from this book, but you also don't want to be spoon fed too much. You want to be actively yeah. learning. So, uh, and, and in the old days, part of the reason, like obviously 60 memorable games is, is a classic, but it also was released at a time where there were so few chess books and Fisher was this singular genius. So <laughs> you were going to sit there and study those games and until the 12th time you see the game and then you figure out why he had the X clam. And now it's mm -hmm. just like, we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think here I, I would be tempted to say end game strategy. This is where I read it by Sheroshevsky. I found it to be, a really important book in my own progress. Maybe someone needs to wait a little bit longer, but I don't think so. I think around 1600, you should have, like if you're thinking strategy is going to decide games and it's no longer blunders, then that means end games are going to decide games as well. You're actually going to make it there and having some knowledge of how end games work generally rather than all the specifics, I think it's really useful. Yeah, yeah, well said. Such a great book and chessable course. Um, have you tried the new version on Chessable? No, I haven't. I'm a slacker. Okay. We were supposed to do an update, weren't we? No, we should, because I, it would motivate me to do more. All I've done is watch the videos and the videos improve the book dramatically in that it's more accurate, but they, but Shanklin also kind of ruins the book where it'll just be like, Cherashevsky says, there's a simple answer here. You go, boom, boom, boom. He is wrong in every way. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is not, not a simple position. Uh, if Black had just played one of these four other moves, this doesn't work. And I was like, okay, I see that at a 2000 level, I would want that subtlety. But at a 1600 level, the simplicity that allowed me to grasp this was more important. So it's really kind of interesting that Maybe there's even like a different level for the different versions of the book. I don't know. I'd be interested in exploring that. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But yeah, Shanklin does not mince words. <laughs> that, could, no, that could be amusing in its own right. Yeah, I really enjoy Shanklin's approach. But yeah, it can, it can be quite funny. All right, what's another book you have in this rating range of kind of like welcome to strategy books? There's a wide range of stuff to pull from here. Yeah, well, again, this is one I did a podcast about. Sorry if uh, to 
to uh, recycle my material. But what can I say? I'm rated 2100. So a lot of the books that I've read and, and a lot of my learning came through playing as a teenager when I was that level. So I did read, you know, 10, 15 books, but I was a kid. Yeah. Like, so a lot of the books I've read have been for the podcast. So anyway, uh, the life and games of Mikhail Tal. Um, oh, it's, okay. I feel like amongst the world champion game memoirs, um, well, it, there's not too much memoir in it. It's more game collection. Um, it's more accessible because uh, Tal was like, you know, there's the famous uh, take your opponent to a deep, dark forest where where the path is only wide enough. I should know the quote, but I'm butchering it. But anyway, the bottom line is he steered into complications um, yeah. and he didn't care as much if what he was playing is like, um, you know, a, now we would say engine approved, but uh, like objectively correct. He was just like, we're going to go for tactics and I'm going to outplay you. You're not going to be able to handle the pressure. Um, so even if you can't follow all the tactics, uh, there's just so much to learn from from that psychology. Um, like I just interviewed uh, FM Dennis Monacruces, who's, you know, 2400 USCF and also just like, uh, been teaching chess for decades, so he knows his his history inside and out. And he had a unique uh, point that like Petrosian and Tal, who are considered opposites, because Petrosian was known as this sort of like snake-like technician who just like gradually suffocates you, whereas Tal is just gonna like blow you off the board. But he was saying they have a similarity in that they're both going to execute their styles regardless of what you do. And that's what makes Tal, and that's harder. Petrosian is less entry level because he's so subtle, but Tal, because it's kind of like um, all um, fireworks, it's it's a great book to read. Interesting. I've had that on my shelf since I was about 1100, and I have still not read it. It's quite big, and I think that's part of it. I was like, ooh, this is a big book. I'll get to this later at some point. But um, yeah, yeah, but it, it's also one that you can just pick up, play through a game, put it back down, you know, um, yeah, um, and sorry, I had to look up the deep dark forest quote because it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> that I flubbed it. Um, he says, you must take your opponent into a deep dark forest where two plus two mm. equals five and the path leading out is only wide enough for one. Yeah, what a great quote that is. Um, and I think it's so fascinating, like we can we can you know, do computer analysis with his games and be like, ah, oh, so many mistakes. But like, remember, chess is a limited time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's complicated. Uh, and you don't have a computer next to you. So good luck finding every single only move in that circumstance. Yeah. And to me, that's a feature, not a bug, because when you're not a professional, like, you know, yeah. what's actually going on in the game and what you think is going on in the game is like a totally different story. So it's nice to see like a world champion where, uh, where that's a tiny bit the case. And mm -hmm. I mean, and he's still an amazing, uh, absolute staggering talent. It's just that if you compare his accurate accuracy score to Carlson or something, it'll yeah. be low. If you compare it to mine, you know, he's doing, doing quite, quite okay. Thank you very much. So you're, are you, are you having the humility to say you're not as good as tall? <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Wow. What a big man you are. <laughs> All right. Um, what about Johan Helston's books? I feel like they're farther along, maybe like 1800. Like you've gotten a really good handle on your strategy books. You've read Michael Steen. You understand them really well. I don't know. Where, where are you at with somebody like Helston? 
Yeah, same boat. Um, I don't have as much familiarity with uh, mastering chess openings as the other two. My mm -hmm. impression is that one might be slightly easier. Um, mm -hmm. but, but generally I agree there. Absolutely. Fantastic. First rate, uh, author, nice guy, uh, uh, charismatic interview guest, I have to say. Um, but, but yeah, there, there's around 1800, I would say is the sweet spot. Oh. And, and if for any teachers listening, um, once you start to teach, say 1300 on up, uh, great examples too. Yeah. Those are books where I have the strategy book. And it's just, oh, and the end game book. And both are just kind of sitting there going, get better, get better. <laughs> I'm wait I'm waiting for you, Kevin. Just get a little better. And I'm like, okay, I'm working on it. Um, a book that I I really struggle with putting somewhere is Chess Structures um, by, what is his name? Mauricio. Mauricio Flores Rios. Yeah, that book is so amazing. Yet also at times feels it's like, 2000 plus and then other times feels like i'm getting so much out of it um as you know a 1600 ish band so i don't know where where do you put that book yeah around there it's it's absolutely fantastic um but yeah some of it will go over your head some of it won't there's so many structures and so mm -hmm. many openings that certainly by the time you're 1600 it makes sense to invest in it pick it up and look at your openings and gotcha. then maybe as you get more advanced, you can branch out to openings that you you don't necessarily play. Yeah, that's how I've been using it. I, I first started just trying to just read the book. And I was like, no, this is not going to work. Because, you know, it's like you never know if something transposes into some other structure. But what I realized is I wasn't going to hold all that material. But what I could hold is I played this one opening. And this just gives me plans. It's basically a middle game plan book for the openings you're playing, which is really uh, a fascinating work. I I've really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, what about Zurich 1953? Where do you put that? Oh, one? man. Yeah, I did a did a podcast on both. There's two. I mean, there really, there's more than two. But uh, one, the super famous one is by David Bronstein, um, although apparently it was he had a lot of help with it. Um, and then there's one by Miguel Nydorf. Um, they're some of the most famous chess games of all time, kind of like an outsized number compared to it being one tournament took place uh, in that tournament. But Nate and I ultimately both concluded that it could use an update. Um, it could use a more entry level um, uh, description of the games. So it, it's a fantastic book, uh, but it's mainly due to the quality of the games. Um, Nydorf, Nydorf's book provides a little more color about what went on behind the scenes. And there was kind of a lot of cheating drama. You know, this was in the Soviet era, bought games and directives from above and so on and so forth. So that stuff is, is a bit interesting. But in terms of learning from the chess, um, I, I would... I would do the other books we've mentioned uh, mm -hmm. more enthusiastically than Zurich, despite it. It's another one that because when it came out, there was nothing else. It's its reputation might be slightly elevated. I feel the same way. I feel like Zurich is one of those books that maybe 1800 plus, maybe even 2000 plus where it's like they're great games, but much like Fisher, there's not that many annotations in them. And there's so many games that they can't have that many annotations. I don't know. Like I tried the book. I was going to read through the whole thing cover to cover. And I was just like, this is not for me. Like I can acknowledge these are good games, but 
we just went 16 moves without a single annotation and i had questions on nine of those moves yeah so this isn't working for me yeah well said maybe another thing is maybe with a coach a book like that could be really good to go through yeah but like right. you said all right yeah go ahead <laughs> sorry i was just gonna ask any other books um that you want to put down in like i don't know the 1800 range or the 2000 range i'm not to these points yet so i i don't feel the way I recommend them is I read them at 1600 and they were too much for me. So I assume they're 1800. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's a good, that's a good selection. I think we can keep it moving. Okay. Well, we have um, several questions about books. Uh, I, I normally don't get many questions, but when people heard Ben Johnson, the book master was coming on, <laughs> the questions poured in. Um, so let's start with this. Um, popular books you think are overrated and an alternative. So you said hundred end games. You must know I'm on a weird trajectory with hundred end games. I would have a hundred percent agreed with that when I first tried it because I thought it was an easy book. And then when I realized it was a hard book, I've sort of cycled back to it in my end game process after reading several other books. And now I kind of enjoy it, but I think it's definitely overrated as like in some sort of entry level book to end games i don't think it's that at all <clears throat> any other yeah. books you would put in this category uh, i don't know if i have any original takes i've mentioned my system being overrated i guess yeah. i would even put zurich 1953 based on what we just said in mm -hmm. that category um the selman books um other than the end game one it's it's not that they're they're solid, you know, they're they're to me B slash B plus books. It's just mm -hmm. that um there's so much stuff in them that some of the other books we discussed I would I would place uh slightly above them. So I think that's that's where I land. I can't think of anyone else to call out um as uh <laughs> as overrated. That's funny because I I second all of those, but I've always felt bad about amateur's mind and reassess your chest because i've heard such amazing things about them and i've owned them you know for 20 some years and i've tried them on several occasions because they're supposedly so good and i just didn't personally resonate with them that much and i just kind of felt bad about it so i don't know it makes me feel a little better to hear that maybe it's that they are good and maybe there's just books that have come along that are slightly better for those rating bands yeah and and as i as a I talked about with uh, with Todd Kennedy and with uh, when we did reassess your chess podcast and uh, with Neil Bruce, um, when we discussed some strategy books, Selman was way ahead of his time in speaking to his audience like normal people, you know, mm -hmm. like writing in a presentable ability to relate with the adult learner way. So I think that just gave him such that propelled him to such a sort of high um high spot in sort of the uh the, the public's perception of, of chess books but yeah just in terms of the actual chess content um i think it's not the the singular best bang for your buck yeah i'm gonna say something that i don't know if this is going to be provocative or not but i think agard's books are overrated and not for the level they're targeted for right i think they're overrated because 1600s and 1800s go out and buy the grandmaster prep series because they want to be grandmasters and then they're like i read it but yeah. you know like what are they getting out of it so i think it's that that danger of feeling like 
this is a book you want to read someday when it will be really effective for you, but understanding that it's it's not the time I think is important. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. I consider thinking inside the box to be his most accessible book, but mm-hmm. even that like the chess and that one's a lot of words. So, um, yeah. so in that regard, you know, people might like it, but I think even that one, you're probably 1800 is where you can sort of begin to appreciate it. And, and again, that's his, that's to me, his, um, his most accessible. And I'm reading that now and oh, I'm okay. really great about it, but I'm a little worried. It's going to be one of those books where when I'm done, I'm going to be like, what did he say? Yeah. Uh, other than like be better at chess. Right. I don't, I don't know. Um, a book that we forgot that I really want to cycle back to for just a second, because I think maybe it substitutes in here actually for some of these really high level Agard books is the uh, chess, chess tactics from scratch book. I just am finishing it up. And that book has been really amazing. I didn't have that high of hopes for it. I felt like my chess.com puzzle rating is 2600. This theoretically as a strength of mine. This is called From Scratch, but I really think that it's an amazing book of kind of helping you, I don't know, just like get a really solid foundation for looking at positions, thinking about them. I feel like I've already forgotten half of the techniques that I was supposed to learn. I'm probably going to read it again, maybe immediately. Like it's been that good of a book and I'm quite surprised by that. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to Steve Wolken who suggested we do it because it, it, it he he's in the general neighborhood of your rating. I think he's about 1800 something USCF and he, it had a similar impact on him. And mm-hmm. I know that when, when I, you know, when he and I praised it, Jesse cry uh, caught wind of it. And now it's part of the, the chest dojo recommended books. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's well-deserved that I'm glad that you mentioned it. Yeah, I do want to mention something about what you guys said on your podcast, which I thought was interesting. Um, the person who was doing it with you said something like, don't worry about trying to solve them, just read it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I feel like that's not accurate. I feel like that gets into the chess knowledge versus skills thing. I feel like if it's beyond the point where you can engage with it, then you should probably do something else, right? Like do do... Uh, a book that's prepping you for this book, because I feel like what allows you to turn it into skill is to be able to really like go through those examples. And even if you don't get them, you've put that time in. Then when they show you the answer, you're like, oh, that's what I was missing when I was going through my process and helping you evaluate your process. That That's at least what's been so useful for me. It's not necessarily the uh, percentage score that I got right, but really wrestling with trying to take the process that this author's outlining and then putting into play. Yeah, that that's a good point. When I when I did an adult improver interview with uh Peter Giannatos, Giannatos, sorry Peter, it might have been the the most popular one I've done because he just he delivers like the the harsh truths of, of uh what you need to do. He's got the no nonsense style plus he he did the work and and made the improvements in in his 20s, but anyway, he was saying uh that the sweet spot is where you're doing exercises where you're getting 60 to 70% right. So I think that's a, that's a good guideline for chess tactics from scratch and for other books, if you're getting zero, right, then, but I think Steve's main point when in our pod was just like that the puzzles aren't easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think he is right that you could get none of them right. And you would learn quite a bit of chess knowledge. Like, like this author has a lot of really cool ideas 
And then you might be able to apply those to easier puzzles. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like I, I got out of it trying to to get the skill going. But I think because of that, it does feel like a higher rated book. It feels like a 1600-ish kind of book. I was a little surprised that it was so high. Like, I always think about like with my daughter, and this was a book where I was like, no way, like yeah. not not even on the horizon for her. Like that is that is that is so far away. All right, I got a question for you that that I think was really interesting. Um, someone asked, and, and notice I didn't put names. What a terrible host I am. Someone <laughs> asked, Ben, you turned me on to chess specific e-readers for books, notably the ones by Forward Chess and New and Chess, and like them more than Kindle as they have incorporated a PGN reader. How do you use these? phone ipad pc and you typically go through most or all the variations so i'm very curious to hear this as well because i've had i feel like i've had mixed results with e-readers i want to hear why you love them so much what do they do for you um they just make my life simpler i mean uh you know i i have kids um who so often if i'm you know, sometimes obviously they're at school and I can like get proper work done, which I'm lucky enough that sometimes that includes reading chess books. But uh, if if the family's around, I am not getting out a chess set. Like there's just no way I'm going to have a sit there, have a chess set and like not have havoc be wreaked um, while I'm trying to go over a game. So to be able to, so I have an iPad and a PC and I have forward chess and the new in chess reader on both of them. So I'll just kind of toggle back and forth. And I usually, if I, let's be real, usually if I'm reading a chess book, it's for some sort of content, like uh, either um, a book recap pod or a guest that I'm interviewing. So I'll, I'll have a Google Doc where I keep notes of, of highlights. And it does depend on my timeline in terms of like how in-depth I go. If I'm studying a book um, on my own for my own edification, then I would I would play through a lot of the variations. But again, living in the real world, often it's like I'm interviewing someone next week and I want to make sure that I'm flagging all of the important concepts that they raise. Um, so I'm going to go faster than than I would advocate for someone reading for, for their personal benefit. But I do really like the uh, e-readers. Gotcha. Um, I like the e-readers for all the similar reasons you said, except for I've noticed I have kind of a problem with e-readers. It is very easy for me to just click next move like four times. I don't know why, but like I can't even when I try to stop myself, I just find myself doing that. Whereas over the board, I'm much better at being like, no, why did he do this? Like, stop. Don't try. Don't don't reach your hand for another piece. Why? What is happening here? Whereas the e-reader, I find myself sometimes kicking back and being like, let's see it oh yeah. what a marvelous game right and it's like i feel like i get less out of books when i do that and i know it's a me problem but i just can't quite put my brain in the same spot as i can with a chess set and a book yeah i think it's a very good it's a very good point i probably do it too i just probably haven't like caught myself as much um <laughs> but but yeah gotcha it's an issue for sure yeah and those are the books that often have more words like I did under the surface that way I'm doing thinking inside the box this way and I'm terrified that I'm going to finish thinking inside the box and go I don't I don't remember anything whereas when I do it over the board I'm like okay I might not remember everything but I remember some of the things so okay so you are a big um advocate though right 
Yeah. I mean, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to like, if you have kids also, I think a lot of people in the digital chess age, like if you, um, if you started playing chess, you know, post, especially say 2010, and you're trying to play OTB, then I do think what people like, uh, like Kostya say about um, having a physical chess set just so that you you're used to it so that you don't sit down and suddenly that looks different and suddenly you're playing different. Um, there's something to be said for studying that way. Uh, since I came up in the analog age, for me, I don't consider it as important. So I just go for what's efficient for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, here's a question. This is going to kind of, this seems to go along with the whole Nimzovich my system thing, but are there any new books in the old school that we recommend focusing on areas such as um, the importance of developing fundamental skills and visualization and calculation. And uh, they say, I'd be interested to hear what you and Ben think are the modern day equivalents of things like my system, logical chess, which by the way, it seems like the modern version of that is called logical chess move by move. Right. Yeah. Evergreen. (laughs) Uh, Any thoughts on that? I, I know like, John Watson tried to put out that update, Secrets of Modern Chess Strategy. And 20 years ago, I was reading through that. I haven't come back to it this time around. It just doesn't seem to have gained that evergreen status that I thought it might. Um, What do you think? Yeah, that book, I mean, Watson is a great guy and a legendary author, but that's almost like an academic treatment of chess more than like Mm -hmm. a a how-to manual. So, So Dan Heisman, does come to mind. But honestly, in in stuff that's come out in the last 10 to 15 years, that's where you really have to like a lot of it. The the stuff that would have been books is now online. You know, uh, yeah. Andres Toss YouTube channel, John Barth- Bartholomew's Chess Fundamentals series, like uh, when Naraditsky does Climbing the Rating Ladder, like um, there's just so much that you can get from just uh, watching. So it's kind of like back in the day, the best chess content creators were sharing their thoughts in an accessible way and book. But now there are great books coming out, but a lot of them tend to be more advanced. Um, so I think a lot of it uh, is uh, on YouTube or Chessable. Yeah, what a great point. And I want to say something that I think we probably should have said at the beginning, but just because Ben and I like books, I feel like you shouldn't feel bad if you don't like books, right? Like not everyone's a book learner. I don't think they made it this far in the podcast if they did and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it's just, I feel bad for people who message me and they're like, I like videos. Should I start reading books? And I'm like, no, like yeah. if, if videos you can learn from, just do that. It's fine. You don't have to read books. I don't know. All right. Um, here's one about Neil Bruce. We've got, we're about halfway through the questions. What do you think of Neil Bruce's book list for beginners? Would you add or remove any from this list? And his list, we've talked about most of them. Um, He's got Learn to Play Chess Like a Boss, Simple Chess, The Power of Pawns, uh, The Most Instructive Games Ever Played, uh, Chess Tactics for Champions, The Polgar Book. He's got, he doesn't have Winning Chess Strategy for Kids, but he has Winning Chess Puzzles for Kids, Winning Chess Puzzles for Kids Part 2, it looks like. I don't know. Have you have you worked with any of those? I kind of feel like um, uh, the first chess puzzle workbook is the mo- more, I don't know, the new hotness or whatever, how we might describe that. Yeah. Um, no notes. Neil nailed it. Uh, I can't. I mean, I'm familiar with all those books and I like them all. So and yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the ones that we always already discussed, I would 
um, if there were any that were not included. But but yeah, Neil, uh, Neil knows his stuff. There's one that I don't think we talked about, which is chess, the art of logical thinking. I think it's another, it's basically an update to Chernev's book, which is good. I, I have it as well. And yeah, is it, that is that Neil McDonald too? Or yeah. Yeah, he's he's a good writer. Basically, you can't go you can't go wrong with his books. Um yeah, I agree. I think it's good. Um for me, I tried to get a 1600 and I was like, it's fine, but there's yeah. so many. Like you already said, it feels like 1600 is where it sort of opens up and you're yeah. like, which of these 70 good books do I want to read? And I just felt like I didn't want to read that one. Yeah. Um, how about this question? Is it, should novices learn to read descriptive notation so they can read old books? If so, which old books should they be reading? Yeah, that's a hard no. I agree. No way. <laughs> Yeah, life's that. too life's too short, and you know anything worth its salt is going to have been updated in algebraic. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary. The only one is the most instructive games of chess ever played. I can't seem to find that updated. I think and, it is. I think I have it. Oh, okay, because I recently bought it, and it came in descriptive, and I looked, and they're all descriptive, and I just kind of said, okay, well, I'm just not going to read that book then. Like, I know it's good, but I'm not going to bother. And yeah, uh, I'll have uh, to dig. Oh, I do. I did. I even pulled it off my shelf before. Okay. Oh, boy. So we're going to do a live review. Oh, no. <laughs> there it is. Bishop H2. Yeah, it's in uh, algebraic. So there, what? you, you might have to find it. You might have to buy it used. But, you know, I bought this within the last 15 years. So you yeah. can probably track well, it down. There you go. He just proved the point <laughs> that uh, pretty much everything you can find in the updated notation if you want. I was trying to. Oh, you know what? There is one actually. Oh, but okay. I don't, what is it? I don't think it's worth it. Just, <laughs> but this came up with John Hartman um, in one of my book conversations with him. He, of course, being the editor of Chess Life, um, 500 Master Games, it's called. Mm -hmm. It was by 500 Master Games of Chess. So it's the most old school of old school books. I think it's by Tartakower. Uh, I'm about to fact check that. Um, Tartakower and Dumont. Yeah. And, um, book one, open games, book two, semi-open games, book three, closed games. So it's just tons of great games. It's one of these where like, if you've read a lot of books, um, you've seen the, you've seen the games elsewhere, but, and this is one that I read in my teens. Um, so I don't think it's worth it <laughs> to, to learn descriptive just for it. It's there's, there's no like, there's no like secret contained within the book that's going to give you a thousand points that you wouldn't get anywhere else. But yeah. it is a great book that's in descriptive and uh, I don't know, like it, it needs an updating. Okay, there we go. There's the one book that's not <laughs> worth getting <laughs> because you don't know it. Okay, um, here's another question. What do you think of the Yusupov series? We didn't talk about this at all. I tried it. It seems good. But I didn't continue with it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, Kevin, you know how like everyone has like the one movie that they haven't seen. And then you Ooh. tell someone you haven't seen it. And they're like, you haven't seen Titanic? Like, which I haven't. Uh, I haven't either. <laughs> they're like, where where have you been hiding? What the hell is wrong with you? Um, I'm ashamed to admit that that's the Yusupov books for me. They came out okay. after my chess development. And people have asked uh, me to, to do a podcast series about it. And... Um, it's and uh, shout out long time 
uh, listener and Patreon sub Peter Newhall. He's he's willing to do it with me. Um, but it's one of those where it, the the scope of the project is a bit daunting and I just haven't yeah. undertaken it. So all I can say is, you know, it's quality chess. Everything they do is fantastic. Yusupov mm -hmm. is a legend. I'm sure it's great, but I can't personally uh, give give my my takes on it. Yeah. OK. They're asking for pros and cons. So I'll give you my take as someone who read four chapters. My take is that is very good, but it is also very scattershot, which it should be if the goal is to take you from, say, 1400 to 2000 has to cover everything. And just that scattershot approach, where I was at in my journey, that's not what I was looking for. I really wanted to work on this one part of my game. And then when I finished that, I was like, ooh, I need to spend a couple months on endings. And so Yusupov's approach has not fit with my approach of like isolating problems and wanting to solve them. I'm not saying my approach is better than Yusupov. My guess is it is not. He is a world-renowned trainer. I am some chump who's stuck at 1600s. Um, but that was sort of my own process with those books is because they jump all over the place, it wasn't hitting where what I wanted to hit. Okay, so we've established that Tal is better than me at chess and mm -hmm. Yusupov is a better author than you. Got, yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably better at everything than me. <laughs> Might be a better parent than I am too. I don't know. Uh, um, all right, a couple last questions here. Um, I feel like we talked about this one a bit already, but let's give a nice firm answer. What's the best way to convert chess book knowledge into chess playing skill? You got to play. You got to play high stakes games uh, again to, to quote Nate Solon. That's, that's the thing. I mean, all the knowledge in the world uh, starts to, to atrophy if, if you're not in the ring. So um, yeah. and the, that circles back to what I was saying at the beginning for me, I'm every time I take two months off from a tournament, when I get back, I feel like I've lost something. Like I just need to be firing on all cylinders and, uh, and, and again, it's, it's not going to be tournaments for everyone. Like actually, I mean, I also getting back to what I was saying, like my goal is to get my USCF rating back to 2200. You know, I've never, I've never had a 2300. I don't think blitz rating on chess.com. Like maybe if I made that my goal, like I could, you know, work in a way with more immediate feedback and maybe that would be better. But, um, right now that's just not my focus. So, um, yeah, you you've you've definitely need to be playing and uh, learning from your losses, uh, in addition to any reading. Yeah, I agree. For me, I always go back to Neil Bruce's claim that I need to get out of the kiddie pool. So. Right. <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree. It's like whatever you can trick yourself into thinking is high stakes. Um, yeah. For a little while, I was able to play a thirty thirty game every Monday on Lee Chess with opponents I would find. And I could trick myself into saying this is top level chess for me and take it super seriously. But then once I started playing over the board every week, I could no longer work that same magic on myself. And I would start checking emails and stuff during the 30-30 game. So I just stopped doing yeah. them because they, they didn't have that same impact. Um, yeah, but doing doing impactful games, I think, is important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that? Well, I was just gonna say it's great that you can play OTB every week. It's not something no. to be taken for granted. Like, I'm a... so excited! And my daughter plays with me. We play side by side on oh, this table. That's awesome. Can... It's so hard for me though. Like, 
I'll look at her position and I'm like, ooh, she has a really good attack. I will make one move and I look back over her game and it's like it's a different game. She's right. made like 16 moves. And I'm like, what is going on over there? Right. You've got to slow down. And then I'll say like, you need to slow down. She's like, I did. That was me slowing down. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Um, what's been the most enjoyable chess book to read, including narrative and non-instructive works? Oh, man, it's going to be so hard for me to pick only one. Um, I, I'll yeah. go first then. I don't have any. I don't have any chess books. No, no, Searching for Bobby Fischer. I read that 20 years ago, and I really enjoyed it. There we go. That's my one book I've read. Okay. Uh, that is a good one. That's a classic for sure. I I, I need to reread it. Um, but okay, the Anon Files, like behind the scenes mm -hmm. of a world championship, very fun read. Uh, reads kind of like a thriller. Like it's it's impressive that he manages to propel a narrative uh, wrapped mm -hmm. around this uh, this chess tournament. Uh, Timmons Titans. There actually is some beautiful chess in it, but you could even skip that and just read uh, Jan Timmons sort of wax poetic about his interactions with like all the legends that he played. Definitely mm -hmm. one of my uh, my favorite all time um, books, uh, All the Wrong Moves by Sasha Chapin. I interviewed him when that came out. He's just like a chess amateur um, oh, that yeah. kind of dove deep in the chess world for a year or so and uh, yeah. sort of just writes about like uh the, the outsized and then resized place that chess took in his life and gives, um, you know, gives a sort of, um, uh, astute observers perception of, um, of, uh, the, the chess world of, uh, all, all of its, um, you know, quirks. Um, hmm. let's see the world Any Fisher books. Yeah, I was just gonna say Endgame okay. by Frank Brady. I would yeah. I would read that before I read the Donaldson book uh, about the Bobby mm. Fisher I knew, uh, or Bobby Fisher and his world. Sorry, um, but but they're both great. But Endgame by Frank Brady, great biography of uh, you know some people. To the extent there's a knock on it, some people say it's a bit too uh, um, uh, like praising of Fisher. It doesn't uh, mm. doesn't cover his his dark years as much, but it's a oh, great. Okay great uh primer to like his rise for sure um yeah, i think i have that um all right last question any non-chess books that have helped your chess yes um so i'm working on writing a book which if Ooh. i ever finish it which the current odds are like 65 percent, i will someday finish it um okay. and i don't even have that much work to do but if I ever finish it, Kevin, I'm going to bug you to come on your pod and I'm going to yeah. relentlessly hound everyone until everyone who's ever listened to Perpetual Chess has confirmed that they've bought it. Um, but anyway, uh, I do talk about that a little bit. The the Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande um, mm. writes for The New Yorker. He's a doctor, brilliant guy. And he he writes just sort of about like how to it's about how to avoid mistakes. You know, he's a surgeon. So he gets into a lot of the history of uh how um how advancements were made and uh you know it was something as simple as like uh patient deaths went down drastically when they placed a checklist to make sure that doctors washed their hands uh wow. before they um before they conducted surgery and that seems like the most obvious thing in the world but if you're not actually placing a check that you do it before 
uh, before you conduct the surgery, you might forget and drastic things can happen. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's a lot of parallels in chess with that, where like, especially, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in the part of the development curve where you're trying to limit blunders, this idea mm -hmm. that I'm going to physically place a check to make sure that I looked at checks, captures and threats until like it becomes, it. until it becomes subconscious. And then obviously there's all the habit books that, that shout out to the habit grandmaster himself, Neil mm -hmm. Bruce, um, you know, uh, Atomic Habits is is uh, is quite good. Um, I feel like I should be able to come up with one more. Kevin, do you have any while I try to? Um, I know I know I have more. I think but... The one for me, I read a little bit of Atomic Habits and I felt I felt like I already was going down that path of like small habits are useful. So I didn't read the whole thing, but I think it's a compelling idea and I've I really brought that into just my whole life. There are like three habits I do every single day. And I think it's really helped because for me, I'm the kind of person who, if I lose momentum in something, it might just be gone. Like my life is so chaotic and so busy that the void will get occupied immediately. And I will not even be able to imagine like, how did I ever have an hour a day for chess? Like that's impossible. Whereas when I keep the habit going, then that void is filled with chess. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I did think of one more. Uh, this one's very chess tangential, but The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin um, oh, yeah. is is a good book. And a lot of it's, I mean, he talks about chess, but a lot of it also is uh, about how he became a mixed, mixed martial arts champion. Yeah. Like that's a that that guy is a fascinating character, right? I mean, if you've read Searching for Bobby Fisher, he's the star of that. He's you know goes on to other great things in his life, so pretty amazing stuff. Well, Ben, what a long podcast that was! Thanks so much for dedicating so much of your time to trying to to put out. I don't know if this is a a starting point of some sort of definitive list for people to be able to go through their progress. I think you made some great points about how it's not always about reading the next book, but like putting though that knowledge into skill, I think is a really important part of this journey that I think is easy to overlook because it's a lot easier to just read a chess book and be like, I know more things than it is to actually get better at chess. At least I think so. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's a fine balance, but Hey, if you love chess books, there, there are worse habits <laughs> than reading too many chess books. Exactly. All right, Ben. Well, where can people find you if they want to follow up? Because I know they will. The question really is, how can they avoid me? More yeah. than more than where can they find me? Show up <laughs> at your house. <laughs> right. Um, well, the main thing I want to plug is this link fest. Right now, I'm spending a few hours a week. Uh, you know, I read this stuff anyway you know, keep up with the chess news. And I'm also trying to gather some the best chess improvement blogs. So obviously, uh, I hope listeners check out and enjoy perpetual chess when they're done listening to chess journeys. But uh, I'm also doing a free newsletter that you can subscribe to where I try to share the best chess stuff I read within a prior week. And um, yeah, right. You know, it's it's like I said, it's it's free. So um, if, if you think it would be worthwhile, then uh, please subscribe to get it in your inboxes. And Kevin will put it in the show description, not me. Yeah. And I have checked out the link fast. I haven't subscribed to it. I'm so bad about subbing to stuff on Substack. I need to do that. Like I'm not sub to Nate's. I'm not sub to yours. Yet I'm like always looking at them. And so I'm going to yeah. do it. 
I'm gonna do it, Ben. I'm gonna sub. Yeah, you're doing you're doing a big favor to us. Uh, you know us. Uh, it can be a thankless job creating free content. You know, all we want yeah. is to see the number of yeah. subscribers go up. And I know someone like you who's on Twitter, like you probably don't really need to subscribe. Um, but uh, especially for people who aren't, you don't want to. Um, even if you skip it when you get it, at least you know it was there. You know, sort of thing. Um, but anyway, enough shilling. Yeah. Last question for you. How to chess season three? Is it coming? Is it on hiatus? What should we expect? You know, I do have, I'm happy to report, uh, I do have the green light. The ball's the ball's in my Ooh. court. So shout out Ooh. to Chessable. Appreciate the support. I've got to get it together. I have a lot of projects I'm trying to push out. Um, and right yeah. now failing this chess drama has taken over my life, these bonus pods <laughs> in particular. So um, I, I, I do no. hope to make it happen, but I have a couple other things I want to, um, including the book I mentioned, get moving on too. So, um, mm -hmm. I would say more likely than than not, it will it will come out. And okay. at this point, if it doesn't, it will be my fault. This is, again, is one of the new projects, like how not to chess. <laughs> yeah, how not to chess drama, maybe. Okay, oh, there we go. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate you spending the time. And for those of you out there, I hope these books uh, will help you on your journey, and maybe. They will propel you to new heights this week and new glories. And if not, that's okay. Don't worry. Plateaus are the norm. Come back next week. We will continue our discussion, and I'll see you all next time.